everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. This is SportsCenter. I'm Christine Lisi. Speaking today at SEC Media Days, Alabama football coach Nick Saban said Crimson Tide players did extremely well last year when it came to name, image, and likeness, made more than $3 million. He also voiced his concerns about NIL, said he'd like to see some guidelines in place to keep teams from spending money indiscriminately. Saban's words certainly carry some weight, says ESPN football analyst Dan Orlovsky. The interesting thing was when he finally says, like, hey, we're Alabama, we have to have, we're the haves and the others have nots. And it's, the, it's the, the preeminent coach in college football saying, this is going to benefit my program, the situation that college football is in, and it's not good for the overall aspect of college football. Dan Orlovsky on first take. Dodgers left-hander Clayton Kershaw tonight makes his first all-star start for the National League in the Major League Baseball all-star game from Dodgers Stadium. Shane McClanahan of the Rays starts for the American League. A change to the game this year. There will be a mini home run derby should the Midsummer Classic be tied after nine innings. Coverage begins at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. Looks like we may have some more rain in store here. Good bit of rain over in Atlanta this morning on day two of the SEC Media Days. And we continue with our wall-to-wall coverage of SEC Media Days. We'll be uh, joined by our own Dan Peck here in just a couple of minutes from there at the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. And uh, we will talk with him. Want to let you know that SEC Media Day's coverage brought to you by Kia of Auburn, the Orthopedic Clinic, and Jackson Services. And uh, speaking of Kia of Auburn, they are the sponsor of hour number one of the drive. Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they also sponsor our hotline, where we welcome your calls questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline, 334-321-1390. Couple of, uh, couple of items wanted to, uh, to, that we need to get to before we check in with Dan over in Atlanta. And, um, let's, let's start off with the, the, the good news today, four more Auburn players have been drafted in the Major League Draft today. Uh, after four players and a transfer drafted yesterday, 
today, Carson Skipper going in the 11th round to the Colorado Rockies. Hayden Mullins in the 12th round to the uh, to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, next came uh, Blake Rambush, went in the 15th round to the Mariners. And then in the uh, 17th round, um, Bro- Brody Moore to the St. Louis Cardinals. So uh, congratulations to those. That is eight players off this past year's team and uh, a, a transfer uh, that that have all gone in the major league draft. I believe it is wrapped up now, or it's about to if it hasn't. Uh, but but uh, some good news uh, for for the twenty twenty three Auburn baseball team. Left handed pitcher Zach Crotchfelt uh, confirming today that he has decided not to sign with a major league team, letting teams know. Uh, they didn't need to waste a draft spot on him as he will start his career at Auburn this coming fall. So, so there's some baseball news. Speaking of baseball, Major League All-Star game tonight, home run derby last night. I'd said Juan Soto the other day and, and I should have stuck with it as, as he does win over men. Julio Rodriguez, what an unbelievable uh, performance for the 21-year-old. 32 homers in the first round, 31 in the second. Just had 18 left. And uh, Juan Soto able to knock him off 19 to 18. We can talk about Major League, the All-Star game if you'd like. I got a feeling we'll talk a lot of football. But uh, a sad note, really sad note here uh, today as as an Auburn icon, Buddy Davidson, passing away today. Uh, and... And, you know, Buddy had, if, if there was an athletics event at Auburn over the last half century, the odds are you're probably going to see Buddy there. Uh, he did so many things starting at Auburn as a, as a student, worked his way up, uh, and became the, uh, sports, I guess it was sports publicist, then sports information director, and then assistant athletics director. And I mean, he was handling travel arrangements and, and everything did so much for Auburn and for Auburn people through the years and, and really, really going to be missed. Um, and, and we, we have, uh, David Housel is going to be joining us at the top of our number two and, uh, uh, really looking forward to talking with David, getting, getting some memories from him, uh, about Buddy because Buddy sort of was the, you know, the, the buddy, buddy came to Auburn, uh, started working there in, in sports information. And then, then David came along after and, and the, the two worked, you know, with each other, uh, for, for years and years and, and were much more than just coworkers as well. And, and yes, just sad news that, uh, Buddy Davidson passing away today. So that, that's some of the, the news from things other than SEC Media Days. But today, day two, and, uh, you know, you start and close on days one and four with three teams, four teams today headlined by Alabama with Nick Saban, Bryce Young, uh, Will Anderson, Jordan Battle. Uh, they, they, they definitely headlined the day, but also today it was Mississippi State, South Carolina, uh, and Vandy all on tap today over at SEC Media Days in Atlanta. And with that, let's head over 
to the uh, College Hall of Fame and Radio Row and our own Dan Peck. Dan, how's it going today? Uh, Bill, it's uh, it's it's great to uh, it's great to talk to you, and it's been a uh, it's been a been a busy day at Media Days uh, today. Nick Saban uh, and and the reigning uh, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young, among others, uh, attracting a lot of attention uh, to day two. The electronic media room has been uh, has been great to sort of get reactions uh, and 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 ask some some actual football questions. And and Bill, it's Radio Row. You never you never know who's going to drop by. So I don't want to uh, I don't want to keep our guest our surprise. Yes, Bill doesn't know uh, who, who, we're, uh, who we're talking no, I don't. here to, to start the uh, to start hour number one here. Uh, AP Stidham is the uh, is someone who's been in Foley, Alabama radio for a uh, for, for a while. Uh, he's been covering Alabama and Auburn. Uh, he's a veteran of these uh, of these SEC media days uh, events, and we welcome AP uh, to the uh, to the broadcast uh, to start. Uh, hour number one. How you doing, AP? Hey, Dan and Bill. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, and and and, and, and AP. It's like uh, I I rarely get to see you except on Zoom. Is what it seemed like for the last <laughs> couple of years. You doing all right? Fantastic. So happy to be here. Yeah, it's it's been a uh, it's been a great event. AP's been uh, been asking questions uh, in the in the electronic media room uh, with me and uh, and yeah, I mean it's a it, this is. Between uh, Nick Nick Saban, always I mean always a lot of attention on Nick Saban Day at Media Days, and with the expectations for this Alabama team, I think there were a lot of eyes on how Bryce Young, uh, Will Anderson, and uh, and Jordan Battle were, were gonna were gonna stand up uh, to the questions. I, I thought all three of the players uh, you know couldn't have uh, couldn't have delivered better performances. Uh, myself, AP, what did you think? Yeah, they were very poised and enthusiastic, and uh, Bryce is so calm. I mean. The game of football and the game of life, you have to have that enthusiasm. But he, he burns brightly below. I mean, below the surface. But he's a tremendous competitor. Yeah, you, you can see the confidence. You know, it comes through in a way that doesn't read as arrogance or doesn't read, you know, in a no. sort of an abrasive way. I thought Bryce uh, handled himself well and, and still uh, has uh, has a lot to accomplish, despite the fact that he's the first Heisman Trophy winner uh, at quarterback in the history of his school and and the guy who just won. I mean, wasn't all that long ago that winning the Heisman Trophy as a sophomore was an unprecedented uh, feat for for someone like uh, like Bryce Young. So I mean, it's uh, uh it, it's he's, he's still got. Despite what he's been able to do, and despite the amazing season he just had, you can tell there, there's still more on his plate and more that he wants to accomplish. Yeah, he feel he, he fell up a little bit short in that uh, championship game against Georgia. I, I feel that if they had the receiver uh, from Ohio State, Williams, they they would Jameson, yeah. Jameson. You know, he was the difference. They couldn't guard him with two people in the championship game in Atlanta. But hey, they had some capable receivers come in there and they dropped the ball when they were in the spotlight. I mean, you know, young young players. Uh, sorry, guys. Yeah, that that's one thing about not being able to see you guys. But uh, um, I really think that this is as good a scenario as Nick Saban, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Alabama could have. Because I heard Bryce say in one of the rooms earlier today that you know it was a disappointing year. Here he is. He is a first-year starter. A first-year starter. We shouldn't, we shouldn't who, laugh at that. Well, no, I mean, it, I mean, but in his in his mind, he's a first-year right. starter who was uh, a first-team All-American, the Heisman Trophy winner, has an SEC championship ring, but the big <laughs> ring he didn't get. So he still has something to play for. He's motivated. Will Anderson's motivated. Right. You know that Nick is just thrilled that his team, he has so much talent back. He's got the best offensive and the best defensive players in the nation returning to lead his team with some hunger to avenge that last game. 
And I think one thing I had a discussion with uh, Will Anderson Jr., you know, Derek Thomas was the best I ever saw at Alabama. I've been watching Alabama football for 50 years, so I don't uh, say these words lightly, but he's the second best I've ever seen. You know, he had 17 and a half sacks. I believe it was 101 tackles from the edge position Mm -hmm. in this era of football. But Derek Thomas, when he was a junior, had 18 sacks. And you're saying, that's fabulous, and they must know about him. He's a known com- commodity, right? The next year, he surpassed it with 27. Teams in the SEC weren't throwing the ball as R- much, right. as, much as, as, they, as they are now back then either. Right, so I'm interested, what does Will Anderson Jr., uh, what's his production in, in the second year now? Bill, Bill, something that surprised me, I mean, it's, it's not a, a shocker or anything, but in the electronic media room, so many of the first few questions directed at Nick Saban were asking his opinion on other coaches. I mean, the first question, <laughs> I don't think it's too shocking. Well, half, half the league are, are former assistants of his. <laughs> yes, and, and there was the, the Jimbo Fisher uh, right. issue you know, earlier yes. in this offseason. Wasn't a surprise that the first question for Nick Saban in the electronic media room was about Jimbo Fisher and his evolving opinion on NIL, but he was also asked about Brian Kelly, which makes sense because this is someone Nick Saban has faced in a national championship game before, who is now the coach at LSU. And like you said, Bill, so many Nick Saban assistants around the league. And, well, I mean, we, we have representatives from Texas and Oklahoma in the media. Mm-hmm. The, the actual schools aren't represented here, but but Texas and Oklahoma outlets are here. And uh, the the, uh, the fellow from Orange Bloods wanted, uh, wanted Nick Saban's opinion about Steve Sarkeesian. They're going to face off in week two. Another Nick Saban assistant looking to beat his former boss. And uh, Nick Saban, even, I mean, it's not a surprise when he's complimentary of a, of a former assistant. Yeah, but you can tell well. he really likes Sark. There is, I mean, there's there's an additional level of respect and admiration, and maybe it has to do with with some of the things Steve Sarkeesian has overcome to get where he is right now. You could, I could understand why people who know him personally would be very proud and very happy to see him in a good place personally and professionally, and that really came through, I thought, in Nick Saban's remarks about the. uh, about his former offensive coordinator. And it's also understandable that uh, that he'd be asked about Brian Kelly, who sort of came from a similar situation. I mean, coming from the Midwest, from a school, uh, you know, Dick Saban had not been in the South when he left Michigan State to come to LSU, and Brian Kelly, of course, leaving Notre Dame to come South. For, for guys who have seen this conference for decades, right? I mean, you have to sort of, it, it sounds us like... old guys? Well, yeah. well no, I mean, uh-huh. but even, I mean, Bill, I, I'm in this category now. You should, see the, you should see the kids walking around this place. But, but the, uh, the, the notion that, oh, well, he, he doesn't fit in geographically, so he's going to struggle in the SEC. We've seen too many coaches overcome that if they're familiar with big-time football and what it takes to win national championships, right, AP? Right. I mean, LSU's won a championship before with, with different coaches. Uh, in our lifetime. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that Brian Kelly's going to come in there and do a tremendous job. I believe he will. Because he can recruit, and he was at Notre Dame getting them in the playoffs. And we all know that they don't have the necessary speed in some positions to compete. But he got him into that top four. One thing I was... Oh, go ahead, Bill. No, I was going to say one thing that I was interested in as I was just sort of following along. I, I, had, I had, a, had a rather busy day. I couldn't, couldn't check every single interview as things were going on uh, uh, while I was on campus today. But uh, boy, Clark Lee has uh, added a little swagger in the last year, uh, has he not? Did you guys get to hear his comments where he was uh, not talking about just being competitive or competitive in the SEC, but talking about winning and winning big. I guess. I guess if you don't have confidence now, you don't have a chance. 
Yeah, I think that was in the main room, Bill, because we had him and he was just discussing how proud he was to be at Vanderbilt, his, his alma mater, and coaching these young people who are, you know, very good academically and they have a passion be- because they're playing at Vanderbilt. I, I don't, I don't know how many coaches in the SEC. I should know this off the top of my head. How many coaches are coaching at their alma mater in the SEC right now? It might just it's be. It's not a very long list. It, I can tell might, you that. It might just be Clark uh, Lee. That's and, the and, only one I can Kirby. think of off the Kirby. Oh, Kirby Smart. Kirby, Kirby Smart. Yeah, yeah. Kirby Smart and, and Clark Lee might might be the only two. And all three of Vanderbilt's players talked about how meaningful it was to have not just Clark Lee, Javon Hay is the defensive line coach. He's a former, he's, he's one of the, uh, the great Vanderbilt players in school history. To have former Vanderbilt uh, players as their coaches makes it all the more meaningful that, you know, these are guys who can really relate to the, to the battles, to the unique battles that Vanderbilt faces uh, in the SEC. And, yeah, I mean, I think Clark Clark Lee doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to say anything that that he's going to have to eat you know at the at the end of the season. But I can understand why he wants to put forth the, the belief that Vanderbilt is on the right track and this is a hill that they can climb. You know that they can they can get more competitive in the SEC East and eventually here's hoping beat some of the best teams in the league. He's not leading from behind certainly. He's no, in the front. No, no question. Hey, Pete, before we. Uh uh, but before you know, we, we uh, run out of time with you, I'd love to get your thoughts. All right, we're here, right here in town, and seeing and hearing the way fans around here react toward Auburn. Uh, I grew up in South Alabama, and I know you know I still still have some decent contacts down there. But you're down there. What <laughs> is the what is the feeling down there about? Uh, about Auburn, from Auburn people, about Auburn football from Auburn people. Yeah, they want to get behind their coach, and they want this quarterback situation settled because that's the the era of football where the quarterback is so important, and if you don't have a above-average quarterback, you don't have a chance. So Auburn has four candidates, and I believe Auburn this year, I think they'll play with two quarterbacks. I really do. But they want to get behind Brian Harson and give him a chance. Well, that, that's good to hear. I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, especially in our business, I mean, where, where we're taking calls and, and you can't see who you're talking to, you don't always know exactly who you're talking to. You wonder between that and the Internet, you know, what, what people are really thinking. Sometimes it can, there can be false impressions from uh, folks who can, who can hide behind either monikers or, you know, uh, uh, stage names. I, I know we're, we're going to have to take a break soon. AP, thank you so much for, for making some time for us. I've, I've really appreciated getting to talk to you throughout the, uh, the event. Tell folks listening in Auburn how they can find, uh, you know, whatever it is you're, uh, you're up to. Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, at AP Stedham. And uh, normally we're going to start up again in August on WHEP. We're actually the oldest Auburn affiliate, 70 years. So I'm on it Mondays uh, about 8 o'clock. And, and I'm going to launch a new show, actually, pretty soon here in August. And I'll let the folks know on my Facebook and Twitter about that as well. Well, we talk SEC football, Alabama and Auburn, and uh, they both have rabid fans, and it's unscripted drama. We love it. Oh, certainly. <laughs> and if, and if uh, the closer you get to the launch date of the show or, or the season, if, if you'd like to, uh, to come by again, we, we'd love to talk to you. Thank you, Dan and Bill. My pleasure. All right. Take care. AP Stedham joining us here on the first segment as we are just underway here on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Bill in the studio with Drew at the controls, Dan over at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Day two of SEC Media Days brought to you by Jackson Services, Kia of Auburn, and the Orthopedic Clinic. And we continue in just a moment. 
live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Live coverage of SEC Media Days here on ESPN 106.7. You are listening to The Drive with Bill Cameron. Dan Peck here on Radio Row. Bill, back in the studio. Want to thank our sponsors making our SEC Media Days coverage possible. The Orthopedic Clinic, Kia of Auburn, and Jackson Services. Appreciate the patronage from all of our promotional partners. And uh, we're thrilled to welcome in another guest as Radio Row is humming today for SEC Media Days. Understandably so when you've got Alabama in the house among the other schools uh, participating uh, today. And someone uh, you can hear on ESPN 106.7 a little bit earlier in the day, uh, the uh, the head of the Max Roundtable as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Doug Amos, uh, putting a headset on and joining us here at Radio Row. How you doing, Doug? How you doing, Dan? I- I'm sad that my brother Bill is not here this week. I'm used to our annual heading out on the town for dinner. I, uh, so. Yeah, Doug, I was going to ask the question that everybody wants to know, and uh, where is where is the uh, uh, target tonight? Well, here's the deal. Uh, last night, Barry McKnight and Chip Powell and I went to Hard Rock, Okay, which is down yeah, I know. Atlanta. Just around short, the corner. Yeah, short, yeah. short walk from where yeah, we are. Absolutely. Now, tomorrow night, Charlie Trotman gets in town tomorrow afternoon. Charlie Trotman... Chip Powell, Kevin Skarbinski, and I are going on Charlie's Dollar, by the Ooh. way. That's very important to say. That, that is very important. To Ruth Chris, right across oh. the <laughs> Centennial Park. Oh, well, uh, you know, if, we maybe if I get a good report from one of our sponsors here, I'm, I'm going to uh, visit one of the sponsors for SEC Media Days. I gotta, I've got an appointment with the orthopedic clinic tomorrow. I've got to see. I, I could not be wandering around over there today. I've heard that you were struggling. Yeah. Bill, there, there, is, there is a lot of, I mean, Radio Row is nowhere near a lot of the other stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think yeah. I, I, I knew I that was right going to be the case. Yeah, it would have been, it, uh, it, it didn't need to be more painful than it already is, no. Well, I miss you. Just so, want you to know. So, so oh, Doug, Doug was able to uh, Doug was able to talk with a couple of the Alabama players that uh, that Nick Saban brought to uh, SEC Media Days, and, and I know you you've heard remarks from Coach Saban and and Bryce Young as well. Sort of uh, your thoughts on uh, the the uh, the attitude of this Alabama team going into the mindset going into the season. Well, it's just my perception, and I know of one person that disagrees with me. One that did. Uh, I thought that Nick Saban today. In the main media room, which I'm da- sure, Dan, you've shot, told everybody, right below us. Uh, and we have a direct feed up here to, to Radio Row. I thought he was as comfortable in that setting, and I've been to every one of his media day appearances, LSU and Alabama. I thought he was as comfortable and as at ease, Bill, as I've seen him, he, he, his opening statement was all-inclusive. He talked about all sides of the ball and special teams. He talked about his players. No question did he have a, a reaction to that made you uncomfortable. Uh, he was um, – I just thought he was different. And somebody told me, Dan, that they believe that he is softening up. 
Uh, it is older um, age. We'll see. I'm not sure I'll buy that. I, I don't know about so. I think he's mellowing just a little That's bit. That's probably the better. Term. But uh, but but yeah. I mean, all I, he he had the he had the one little remark for Gilbo. Uh, yeah, but that even that was. In I, I know, I know. Sure, it was. But but look, I mean, he is. He's probably in as. Um, in, in the best position he's ever been in, as far as returning talent, motivation, just uh, I mean, it is nearly the perfect storm. Why wouldn't he be in a good mood? True, and and Alabama is a destination in the transfer portal. On top of everything they've accomplished in recruiting and everything sure. they've accomplished on the field, now you've got some Alabama players coming in this year that are going to fill huge roles. That were uh, the best player on their respective teams uh, last year, right? Jameer Gibbs. You know, he's been asked about Jameer <laughs> Eli Gibbs. Ricks. Looks like, and, and and I yeah, right. I asked Jordan Battle and, and Will Anderson about he about how uh, Eli Ricks is fitting in, and, and you'll be you'll be shocked to learn. <laughs> that the reviews on Eli Ricks are extremely positive from his teammates. And, yeah, like you oh, said, that yeah, I'm, not- I'm shocked that an LSU defensive back uh, might be okay, a former LSU. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the funny thing, guys, is where did Alabama – Where what three places did Alabama need the most help? On the offensive line. Could use a they tackle. Get, they get a 35-game start. Yeah. Receiver and corner. SEC. A corner. They get Eli Ricks. Yeah. Running back. That they Jameer get Gibbs. Jameer yeah. Gibbs. So, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know that they needed a running back as much as they needed the others, but they got a great running back in Gibbs. Yeah, the other two guys, I guess, are healthy. They got hurt midseason yeah. last year or are back healthy. And, so. and they bring back both coordinators, which is not something you've That's said about, right. a lot of, right. yeah, about, about a lot of Nick Saban teams, it's really true. successful Nick Saban teams of late. I mean, to bring back a starting quarterback and both coordinators <laughs> on top of this roster, like you said, Bill, I can understand why he feels like, you know, he, he comes across like a guy in the catbird seat and you know, it's, it's understandable right now because he's, he's probably in as envy even though they're not the reigning national champion they go into this season at, with as enviable a position as anyone would have in college football roman harper told us today on our program mm-hmm. that and he said point blank he's on i'll shy away from this if alabama doesn't win the national championship this year it will be nick saban's biggest failure at alabama so we hear about championship or bust sometimes. He said it's worse. He said that's it's way worse. Than it's that. got to be. It's that yeah. or or it's a disappointment. And, yeah. and and I you know the the one thing I keep coming back to is you know you would you would think when people talk about Alabama like that you would think the other six games in the SEC West you know th- those must be walkovers. <laughs> These are six really dangerous exactly. teams that exactly. can throw punches. You're right. And uh, and and it's it's still. Uh, you know, it's a testament to Alabama's talent that there's still uh, that, that sort of belief in, in what they can do. You know, guys, we've seen this for years. Uh, we saw it last year with his uh, before media days when he talked about Bryce Young and what he was doing with NIL. Today, he slipped into his comments the $3 million number. Yeah. Uh, and then threw out there. And his last comment on NIL was, yeah, and we did better than, than anybody else. Right. Uh, did like he like he has the figures in front of him. He's always recruiting Bill, even in front of a microphone at SEC Media Days. He's always recruiting. Oh, that's that's absolutely not accidental, not coincidental. He knows exactly what he's doing and just drops it where it doesn't sound too obvious. In, yeah. in the way that in the way that career politicians are always running for re-election, right? Nick Saban always recruiting as long as yep. he's on the job, no matter uh, the uh, no matter the time or place, and and someone. Who 
who can uh, who can yeah use a camera or a microphone uh, to his advantage and and was able to do so today with a couple of stuff the, a couple of things he got out there and yeah. Dan you know you know Bill and Dan one thing that Saban said today that I think resonated as much or more than anything is when he said when your two best players are also your two best people on your team then that just absolutely floods your team and floods your locker room and that that's the truth and he also said he's never had on both sides of the ball the be, you know the two of the best players in the country if not the best at their position before before we let you go Doug um, is there is aside from Alabama is there a team that's that's gone so far either yesterday or today where where uh, you, you heard something uh, that that maybe changed your opinion about the team or, or you were already interested in the team and you had some of your uh, your suspicions uh, confirmed I thought both uh, Ole Miss and uh, LSU yesterday I had some had some interesting stuff come out of that program and I'm looking forward to tomorrow Dan uh, tomorrow is a big day. I mean, that's four. It's really the best day we'll have had so far. When you talk about Georgia and Arkansas and help me out, Kentucky, Florida and, Kentucky. and Florida, yeah. uh, those are four intriguing stories. What? How does Georgia handle success? How, how do they follow up? Kentucky, do they keep making strides to the top in the East, and then the other two? And what? Well, and Brian Kelly, you know, you would expect Brian Kelly to be ready for the moment. He's been at Notre Dame for the last yeah. ten years. I'm not as confident in Billy Napier. Right, I mean, not that Billy. I mean, not not that Billy Napier, and I'm, I'm, I still think he's he's up for the job. But that's the. I mean, tomorrow's going to be the biggest spotlight Billy Napier's ever been in front of, no doubt. And you know, despite his veteran status as a as as a college football, well, coach, he's been at the one day Sunbelt Conference Media Day. This so is yeah, you know, uh, to, <laughs> yeah, I a mean, li- little bit different. Little, <clears throat> yeah, a little, little bit, bit different. Duck, duck. And and something else though that's really interesting. We've talked about it a little, but I've heard much more talk about it since Media Day started. Just from listening to and watching as many different shows as possible, since I can't be there, and that is. I have heard multiple people who cover the University of Florida saying there is a problem that Billy Napier is not just uh, out there stomping, uh, stumping uh, because they've got a full war chest and he wants more. These folks are saying they're really struggling to be competitive NIL-wise. Whoa. Yeah, and, and with with Miami uh, having made the strides they've made yeah. in the same state in the same offseason, mm-hmm. going uh, to Mario Cristobal, and with LSU making the jump to Brian Kelly, uh, I, I think it's it, it's a little bit reminiscent of, and again, I like Billy Napier, but it does remind me of when Tennessee hired Jeremy Pruitt while some other programs were hiring much bigger names to be, you know, Florida hired Dan Mullen that offseason. UCLA hired Chip Kelly that offseason. A&M hired Jimbo Fisher that offseason. It was a shock to the system for Tennessee that they didn't get one of those guys. And I wonder if it's a shock to the system at Florida a little bit that Billy Napier hasn't hit the ground running the way they thought he would uh, while some other first-year head coaches have. Let me ask you this, both you guys. Dan, you've spent a lot of time with me at Troy. Uh, and, Bill, you, you know this like the back of your hand. I thought if you just compared resumes at the time that they were at their top in in the group of fives, I thought that Neil Brown's resume was better than Billy Napier's resume. And Billy Napier probably accomplished more as an assistant than yeah. Neil did. Yeah, he, he's got, yeah, he's got a better pedigree when it comes to right. you know having having been an assistant under Saban and 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 Swinney. But Brown's Brown's younger and and right. you know accomplished as much yeah. as Troy. I mean, I think there's an argument there. I mean, I can give you pedigrees that absolutely fell on their face. Oh, I know. So you just mentioned one. Yeah, I mean, so I, I would uh, I would think uh, you know that's that. I mean, I. 
Neil Brown is someone I still think he's a successful season at West Virginia away from, you know, sort of reigniting the, the, the buzz around him. He's got he's to win some games here. We're not going to talk too much Big 12. And Neil, Neil Brown's got some games. He does. But, but the point is, it, it ought to be easier to win at Florida than it is at West Virginia. No question about that. And Billy Napier got a better deal, a better hand mm-hmm. to do that with than did Neil Brown. It just, you know what? It's it's eerily reminiscent of the you know some of the bumps Brian Harson experienced early. And it is very also, much so. And you wonder how talented that roster is. Recruiting was one of the reasons Dan Mullen was let go. I mean, it's urgent that Billy Napier hit the ground in recruiting, or he could be staring at a roster that's got a lot of work to, no to compete in the in the uh, at the top of the SEC moving forward. Doug, tell everyone about your fine television program, yeah. and, uh, and and of course the Max Roundtable and social media how they can find well, you. Well, my um, alarm clock goes off at two forty-five a.m. <laughs> every weekday. Uh, uh, I get to Fox p.m. Is that that's a- my alarm a. clock? That's Dan's I, alarm clock. Yeah, that's right. I get I get to I heard about that. Uh, from from Jacob, uh, uh, his sleeping habits. Uh, but literally, it's from six to seven on Fox Twenty. My TV show will probably go from six to eight soon. Uh, really having a good time with that. Having a great time doing that. And then, of course, the eleven to two Max Roundtable. We're just so honored to be in Auburn. Uh, Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Bill and I have worked together for a long time. I've always admired what Bill brings to this industry. Nobody is more well-respected than Bill Cameron. So it makes uh, me happy to be a part of the Auburn Network. Uh, I've been great friends with a lot of people there, obviously, with my relationship with Jim Fife uh, in the past. So this is kind of neat. You can track me on Twitter at Doug Amos 107.5. I have... I have Instagram. I don't use it that much, but uh, Twitter's the best way to get me. Doug's just happy that there's still some people older than him in the business. I am. That's correct. Bill mentioned at the top of the show the news about Buddy Davidson. Yeah, we had had David Housel on. Yeah, we got David coming on at 5. That's good. And uh, he will very much appreciate talking about Buddy Davidson. I'll say this, and this is what I said, Bill, when we had David on. Nobody a lie. No, nobody anywhere has loved Auburn more than David Housel. The only person that could push him in that quest would be Buddy Davidson. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely pre- right. Pre- pre- appreciate, appreciate it, Doug, Thank as you, always. Love, right, Doug, love you guys have fun. To Not too Take much, care, though. Bill. We'll do All it, buddy. We need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Back with more. I know Dan has some audio that uh, we can get to. We welcome your calls, though, 334-321-1390, as we continue here on the Tuesday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Drew here in the studio Dan is at the College Football Hall of Fame. Day two of SEC Media Days. We're halfway done with uh, SEC representatives. And, of course, SEC Media Days coverage brought to you here on ESPN 106.7 by Kia of Auburn, the Orthopedic Clinic, and Jackson Services. Now, Dan was, uh, um, was, was, uh, had the opportunity to be there with, uh, um, with coaches and players, but also, I mean, we start off always with 
the commissioner. And then another, I, I always am interested when the head of officiating comes in. Dan, is this one of those years where we don't have the rules changes of just proposals and we're getting tweaks on the rules from last year? You know, he, he gave a presentation in the main room, and I've only skimmed the, uh, the the details of it, so I don't believe we have new rules. Yeah, but I, I also I think that happens like every other year. I think last year was you know new rules. And and he was um he, he was talking about how uh, you know he, he referenced uh, you know he didn't want to go over the same stuff you know in the in the electronic room uh, that 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 he had uh, that he had talked about in in the main room, but uh, it was it was actually it was peculiar, Bill, because they brought in John McDade, uh, the SEC head of officiating, into the electronic media right right after they they brought him in during the lunch break and i happen to be working in in the media room you know editing some of the uh some of the audio from from nick saban and the alabama players and i looked up and there was no one in the in the pool there was no one in the pool to ask john mcdade questions and so i scamper over there I'm, i'm able to get three questions off to the sec head of officiating but it was um I mean, I mean, if, if if I hadn't been there, Bill, I don't know. I mean, it would have been. A maybe very maybe short. he was thinking. Maybe he was ready for lunch and thinking, let's find an empty room, and I'll say that we went there and there was nobody there. Well, and, and he, um, I, you know, I, you're right. I don't. I don't think there are. And and it's also tough with the head of officiating because you don't want to ask him too much stuff that's outside of his hands and in right. the hands of commissioners or even outside. of Hey, the, talk about the, that call that your guys made. No, but, yeah, I don't think you want. But to do no, that. so so I asked him about. I mean, we we always have questions about replay review and targeting and sort of you know right. how, how those protocols are evolving. I asked him about both of those things, but but I thought one of the more pressing things for the head of officiating to talk about is sort of uh, how the conference you know reacted to the Tennessee Ole Miss game last year, and you know if there have been any sort of. Uh, if, if there's been a revisiting of protocols or a reevaluation of anything uh, in in the uh, in, in the standard operating procedure for when something like that happens, and let me uh, let me let me run uh, 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 Director Officiating John McDade's answer uh, to, uh, to to that specific question. Dan Peck, ESPN 106.7 in Auburn. Yesterday, I asked the commissioner if the uh, Tennessee Ole Miss game last year had resulted in any sort of. Uh, Reevaluation of protocols, uh, particularly w- when it's okay for a team to leave the field of play, uh, but, but any other sort of takeaways from uh, from that memorable game uh, last year from, from the from the SEC. Um, I, takeaways are um, it's a reminder to our, our, our officials that uh, we're there to to get a game completed, right? Well, obviously, we had a long. Uh, suspension of play in that game for for the correct reasons. I mean, we needed to suspend the the game. Um, it's just a reminder of officials: we don't have authority to end a game, to terminate a game, to decide an outcome before we play all sixty minutes. Um, but at the same time, and, and you alluded to this in your question, we need to do something that recognizes what is the safest thing for the teams when we have an unusual circumstance. And um, we we don't get to practice that a lot, you know. Thankfully, right? Um, weather delays sometimes create the same same situation, but for different reasons. So th- those are the two main takeaways. That um, if if there's a safety issue, we need to get the t- teams to uh, a safe uh, uh, part of the field or maybe off the field. We we had a similar situation, not not as as protracted, but we had a situation that was not unlike what happened in, in Knoxville at night at the uh, Vanderbilt at Colorado Springs game earlier in, in the season. And the second takeaway is, is that, um, and, and this applies to weather delays as, as well, uh, as officials we need to work with the teams 
um, work around, manage the issue. Um, a lot of times when you're coming back from those kinds of delays, there's a lot of concern on the coaching staff of making sure you give appropriate warm-up periods. Um, the, the, the key um, idea that I ask my officials, my crew chiefs, to, to exercise is mutual agreement. Um, how long are we going to allow them to warm up after the delay? Let's get mutual agreement between the coaches. And um, it, it, it usually works just that was uh, that was SEC director of officiating John McDade, uh, sort of commenting on the takeaways from last year's game between Tennessee and Ole Miss. You know, what, one of the uh, one of the questions I had for him. What do you think of his? No, uh, it's, his inter- it's interesting, Dan. I had not. Uh, I, I know there are guidelines for like weather delays, and he talked about the similarities between that and a weather delay. But I didn't realize they had to then. Uh, get both sides to agree how long each team could warm up after an altercation. That's that's pretty interesting. I mean, but like he said, you know, you you prepare for everything that you are thinking you might see, not expecting you're going to see something like we saw then. And, and the commissioner yesterday sort of reaffirmed that the conference wants to finish games if at all possible, right? Uh, in in those sure sorts you do. of situations, and so you know you don't want to you don't want to pull the teams off the field of play uh, prematurely or anything like that. But uh, you know it, it's it's a reminder that that things like what happened last year can happen, and the SEC needs to be prepared. And uh, and yeah, John McDade sort of you know talking about the the. Uh, the, the unusual circumstance. I mean, that's not something that that you uh, that that you run that you rehearse with with your with your other officials, and yet it's something that can happen, and uh, you have to make snap judgments in the moment. Yeah. So, uh, and always always good to hear from uh, from the head of the officials. So, so I asked him a question about you know we, we've discussed before, Bill. Uh, you know the the uh, the fact that it it seems like broadcast teams have a, a fairly low batting average during replay reviews nowadays in football and and in professional uh, yeah sports. especially especially the the former official it seems like you know you know what let me let me just play the you know i i had a i made a point about that oh I, okay I, I, Good. I suggested i suggested a, a solution and it was shot down i don't want to spoil anything <laughs> uh, but i think bill i think you'll get a real kick out of, right. out of this one here's here's john mcdade here's another question i had for sec uh, director of officiating john mcdade earlier today i'm reluctant to ask this question because i don't want to go above your pay grade with uh, with, with another one but the um uh, so it does seem, and I, I will preface this too, with, I, I don't have the data to support this. It does seem like replay reviews are more of a guessing game from the broadcast team than they've been in the past as far as which way uh, the, the officials are going to rule. In some professional sports, during replay reviews, broadcast teams actually talk to someone from the league instead of a former official who is now working for the network. Could you see a scenario in the SEC or in college football where during broadcasts, during replay reviews, the commentary team is talking to someone from the SEC instead of a retired official? I don't see it in the foreseeable future. That's his whole answer. <laughs> That's his whole. That's his whole answer to that. Well, question. that's better than no. <laughs> it was and sl- just a stare, but only slightly. Yeah, well, I mean, no. So I, I don't see I it mean, in I, the foreseeable future. Yeah, so I, I would table that one uh, under the. Uh, yeah, under I the guess current, under the current administration. Although I, I find that, better former officials. I guess maybe that's I mean, the problem. Uh, you know, if they were if they were better, they'd still be officials. No, I, I don't yeah, know. That's that's a terrible thing to that's say. Yeah, it feels that feels. 
I mean, or they or they just retired. There's a reason they're yeah. former. No, I, don't that's... Think, I, don't, I don't think they were pushed out, and that's why they're on CBS now. Uh, uh, but I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask Gene Sterator about that. Yeah, do that. The next, the next time yeah. I see him here at, at Media. No, I, I thought it was cool to get to hear from John McDade about a couple of things. I also asked about, and it's, it's not really worth replaying, but, but I asked him about uh, uh, targeting and if, if he could see um, a, a move to a flagrant one, flagrant two. Uh, type of uh, type of approach to targeting rather than an automatic disqualification, and that's in my question about replay review. I mentioned not wanting to go above his head or over his pay grade. That's because he mentions in his answer on the targeting question uh, that those are the kind of issues that aren't decided. Oh, okay. I, I wondered. I thought. Yeah. May, I, I thought maybe I, he wasn't crazy about you saying something about his pay grade. No, no. That, that, that's that's something we discussed earlier. Oh, okay. Was, was that he had, he had said there are issues that he gets asked about as a director of officiating that are decided at the commissioner level or at the administrative level in college football and not by uh, his colleagues. You know, in, in in the SEC and other conferences. And that was the specifically the idea of change. Changing the targeting rules to something that would uh, that, that would not result in an automatic disqualification. That was one of the things where he said, "Yeah, that that's not up to me or or my equivalent in other conferences." Dan is at the College Hall of Fame in Atlanta, uh, just above the uh, the main floor there of SEC Media Days. Uh, Bill here in the studio. SEC Media Days coverage being brought to you by the Orthopedic Clinic. Kia of Auburn and Jackson Services. We need to get to our final break of hour number one. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final minute or two of hour number one of the Tuesday drive. Bill and Drew here in the studio. Dan at the SEC Media Days in Atlanta. We're halfway done. And, uh, Dan, all right, to this point, there's there's always someone who you weren't that familiar with. Oh, I got an answer. That, that is like, wow, that's that's an interesting character. Who Who is it so far? You know, you know who made I, – I became, and it was hard not to, to really be charmed, I, I became a huge fan of Vanderbilt quarterback Mike Wright, who, who is a uh, – I mean, the, the infectious energy and the enthusiasm, uh, you can really tell that, I mean, he's from Atlanta, and so being chosen uh, to, uh, to represent Vanderbilt and, and come back to his hometown, uh, you know, it, it clearly meant a lot to him. And he's somebody who just, I mean, I thought he really represented his school uh, well with, with energy and enthusiasm and somebody who was really having a lot of fun uh, up there on the stage. And somebody who, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, even though I, I cover the SEC and talk about a lot of SEC football, I didn't know a lot about Mike Wright. Uh, they're not on. No, I didn't schedule. either. They they're not on Auburn's schedule this year, and and I I wasn't uh, all that familiar with a lot of Vanderbilt's personnel. Uh, but but I I came away really rooting uh, for that guy to succeed because he uh, he really put his best foot forward. Well, that's good. I mean that that to me is one of the the fun things about media days, the opportunity to 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 see and and hear from some players that you weren't familiar with and you go wow I'm I'm going to follow that guy so yeah, I mean, so it, that's it's, interesting it's, yeah he he's an easy he's an easy guy to root for and uh, and and his story's great and he uh, and and he's I mean he he's also the the first player to uh, begin by uh, with, with a detailed uh, a, a detailed uh, outline of his wardrobe 
and who he's wearing and the different uh, <laughs> different folks that, that helped him uh, put his uh, put his clothing together. So yeah, I don't know. I, I really I really thought uh, that Mike uh, presented uh, himself and Vanderbilt football in a really cool way. Dan, we'll check back in with you after our top of the hour break and uh, our interview with David Housel. David Housel will be joining us talking about the passing of Auburn legend Buddy Davidson earlier today. So stick with us as we continue. Hour number two coming up here on the Tuesday Drive. Sports Leader, ESPN 1067, a broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. This is SportsCenter. I'm Christine Lisi. The Stars will be out in Hollywood tonight for Major League Baseball's All-Star Game. Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers will make his first ever All-Star start for the National League. The American League counters with Rays lefty Shane McClanahan. ESPN radio coverage in one hour. Much of the talk this week in the sport has been about Juan Soto. There's speculation he may be traded after turning down Washington's $440 million offer. It'll be difficult, though, for the Nats to move him by the August 2nd trade deadline, notes ESPN's Jeff Passan. If it's going to happen, a team is going to have to overwhelm Mike Rizzo and the Nationals because they're going to have to sit there and say, in the middle of the sale of this team, we're going to get rid of one of the five best players in baseball, 10 best players at worst, and leave this team, this new owner, with nobody to market the team around? Alabama football coach Nick Saban today on Get Up said mega conferences might be something they have to deal with in the future. He added he believes realignment is being driven by money and might not be in the best interest of college football as a whole. Thinks a mega conference will create more of a caste system in sports. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And now, a no-frills ad brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Here it is. You can save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That's it. See? Just a good old-fashioned, straightforward ad. See if you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or Progressive.com. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Hope everybody doing well this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Drew here in the studio. Dan Peck is in Atlanta, where day two of SEC Media Days is winding down. Four more schools with their coaches and representatives today. And we'll get back with Dan here in just a few minutes. Um, but uh, so, some news to pass along. First of all, Auburn baseball, a busy time for Auburn baseball, as four more players selected today as the Major League Baseball draft wrapped up with its final 10 rounds, rounds 11 through 20 today. Carson Skipper, Auburn left-hander, selected by the Colorado Rockies, 
with the 326th overall pick in the 11th round. Uh, Hayden Mullins, also lefty, was taken by the Boston Red Sox with the uh, uh, 369th overall pick. That a 12th round pick. Blake Rambush was drafted in the 15th round by the Seattle Mariners. And then Brody Moore rounded out the day for the Tigers as he was taken by the Cardinals in the 17th round. So that made a total of eight Auburn players taken in this year's draft. The second most in Auburn history and the most ever in 20 rounds. Of course, the the Major League Draft used to go until teams stopped drafting. Um, And then... It has now been reduced to 20 rounds, so the most ever taken in that number of rounds. And Auburn's now had 36 players drafted in seven years under head coach Butch Thompson, including 16 players in the uh, in the top 10 rounds. So uh, congratulations to those players. I uh, did see that there was a note that Auburn signee Zach Crotchfelt, another left-handed pitcher, uh, announcing today, that he had informed major league teams he would not sign if drafted. So he is planning on starting his career at Auburn this fall. So, uh, so that's some, some news from, from Auburn baseball. Some, some other news from Auburn. Very sad news today as longtime Auburn icon, uh, Buddy Davidson passing today. Uh, Buddy had, um, you know, been battling, um, after, after suffering a stroke a few years back. But I mean, he was, he was, you know, one of the just figures that you would, you would always see at, if there was an, if there was an Auburn athletic event, you're going to see Buddy Davidson there. I mean, Buddy and, and we're, we're efforting David Housel, his former, uh, if I'm not mistaken, when, when we get David, it'll, it'll be interesting because I, I believe uh, his his former boss and then co-worker and then em, employee. Um, because Buddy came to Auburn in the fall of 1957, uh, which turned out to be a pretty good year. A third generation, at least a third generation. I know his grandfather, I believe, was captain of the Auburn 1931 football team. His His dad... Um, went to Auburn, had to give up football because of an injury, and Buddy came to Auburn, and I, I heard David Housel on with Doug Amos on uh, the Max Roundtable, which we air here on ESPN 106.7, uh, and and was relating a story about Buddy coming to Auburn with, um, uh, I believe it was $100 and a letter from his high school football coach, the legendary Tom Jones, um, from Montgomery and uh, a letter of recommendation for Buddy to be a manager for the Auburn football team, which he took to uh, Coach Shug Jordan and Coach Jordan hired him. And Buddy, that's how he started his career at Auburn and in Auburn athletics. And from that, uh, worked his way up to sports publicist. Um, uh, and and you know he he worked. Four and then uh, for for Bill Beckwith, the uh, the legendary. I mean, man, you talk legendary names at Auburn over the last half century um, that are huge parts of Auburn athletics, but weren't 
athletes, and you're talking, when you talk Bill Beck with Buddy Davidson, David Housel, uh, it doesn't get any bigger than those. And hopefully we'll, we'll have uh, David on talk a little bit about some, some memories of Buddy. I'll tell you this, my first contact with someone at Auburn was when I was in, I believe, the fifth grade. Uh, I, I decided to write a letter and see if I could get some information about Auburn football. And, and the name that I could find was the, I believe by that time it was sports information. It may have still been sports publicity, but I, I sent a letter to Auburn and I got a package back from, from Auburn University and a note from Buddy Davidson and included inside that, inside that brown envelope, I got a 19, this was heading into the 1964 season. I mean, this was, this was big deal. This was the, um, Jimmy Seidel, Tucker Fredrickson, Auburn football team, the media guide. Um, now I don't, I don't even, it just, I think it was, uh, was it, was it just Auburn football? It wasn't Auburn football illustrated. That was the program. I forgot what they called the guide. Uh, David would be able to tell me, um, because that's about the time, uh, that may have been a year before David started at Auburn, but that's about the time David was starting at Auburn. But, but, uh, Buddy was the, the SID or sports publicist at the time and was kind enough to just send me this, whatever, you know, uh, 11, 12 year old, a media guide. And I just, that was, I cherished that so much. And I thought that was so nice. And then, uh, got a chance to, uh, to obviously to meet and, and, and get to know Buddy and, and what a, I mean, just what a great Auburn man he was. I know when you read about Buddy, you'll, you'll read about the, uh, the consecutive game streak that he had attending Auburn football games home and away that got to 700, but it was so much more than that. I mean, so much that he did for everyone in athletics. I mean, he became the senior women's administrator. He, as an assistant AD, uh, he, he handled travel plans for so many of the teams, travel and, you know, you, so that, uh, I mean, setting that up, it, that's a massive undertaking. Um, when, when you're traveling with teams and he would be handling all that, I'm sure David is being swamped by other folks. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get with him a little later on, but, um, you know, just the, the ultimate Auburn man and just great guy too. And I know, I know that, that Buddy was so proud of Auburn and and his family rick who was uh you know a catcher on the auburn he was so proud that that rick was on the baseball team and so proud of of him growing on after his you know athletic career and and now uh, an outstanding attorney uh as well so i mean just our our thoughts and prayers go out to to the family I mean, he, he will be missed tremendously. Um, just a, a, a great guy, but a great Auburn man, Buddy Davidson passing today. Yes. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll give David, uh, another try here before we get done. I mean, I, again, I know he is, he's definitely, 
the go-to for so many people to talk and get their, you know, get his thoughts on on Buddy Davidson. Tell you what, we'll get to our first break. Then we'll check back in with Dan Peck in Atlanta, day two of SEC Media Days, as we continue here on the Tuesday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Drew here in Auburn. Dan is in Atlanta, where SEC Media Days about halfway done. So, uh, what? Ha, ha, all right, I heard the uh, the talk yesterday of the of the Chick Fil A. Any any other uh, off the off the field or away from interviews uh, highlights to, to mention, I mean, Dan? I mean, I, I went to Waffle House last night. I mean, that's always <laughs> al- always a highlight after a, after a hard day's work. But uh, but no, I mean, it, it, they, they've got a uh, they, they've got a, a reception tonight at the at the Mercedes Benz uh, Stadium. Uh, they've got uh, something uh, tomorrow night. They've got a, a function here as well. So yeah, there's some after hours sort of events for uh, for folks uh, if they if they want to um, if they want to participate in that sort of thing. So yeah, there, there's lots of uh, you know some some team building exercises and things like that among the uh, among the the, the different. Uh, teams that cover the SEC. Yeah, well, we're halfway done tomorrow. Another uh, tomorrow, another pretty interesting day as well. Uh, tomorrow, headlined obviously by the defending national champs. That's right, and I think uh, I think we're going to have Jordan Hill uh, in, uh, before the end of the uh, before the end of the show today, uh, who used to be at the Auburn right. the Opelika Auburn News, now covering Georgia uh, for the twenty four seven affiliate in Athens. Uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about what Georgia uh, brings to uh, to this upcoming season. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, today uh, was Alabama, South Carolina. We really haven't talked about Shane Beamer in South Carolina. Any we mentioned, oh, you know, well, Mike Leach gotta, a little bit, and and mentioned uh, Vandy and Clark Lee and their quarterback. Back. I got a Shane Beamer story, Bill. So, so I uh, I was uh, I was talking with with a couple members of the media, including one who happened to be female. And Shane Beamer walked by, and the uh, the female uh, member of our group uh, said hello to him and mentioned that she was a South Carolina alum, and, and he said hello back to her. And Bill, it was like it was like uh, a scene from Elvis. The reaction, uh, the reaction this this woman had to uh, to, to Shane Beamer uh, telling her hello and, and thanking her for going to South Carolina. This guy, uh, th- th- this is a that that's a charming uh, young man who, yep. uh, who who can uh, who's who's able to. He's you know he talked about how much fun he's having and, and even relayed a story uh, that, that decades ago he happened to be in Birmingham when SEC Media Days was going on and he, and he came and, and, and looked around and, and imagined, you know, how cool would it be if someday I got to be an SEC head coach uh, at SEC Media Days representing my school and here he is uh, 20 years later uh, getting, to, uh, getting to live that dream and, and getting, to, uh, getting to enjoy going into a season with Spencer Rattler as his quarterback, which you can imagine uh, makes it a little bit easier if you're, uh, if, if you're trying to, uh, to, to project confidence on, on, your, uh, on your upcoming season. You know, I saw on the SEC Network a little earlier that uh, they, the numbers, they, they'll pop up some numbers about the percentage of offensive or defensive in the players and statistics and things like that coming back 
South Carolina has 93% of their offense returning. You bring back and 90- you add Spencer yeah. Rattler. You bring back 93% of your offense, like you said, and you add Spencer Rattler uh, to that equation. And, and, yeah, I think South Carolina could be a team in the SEC East that nobody's talking about. I mean, beyond... I mean, I, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who's who's being talked about in the SEC East and who isn't? I, I couldn't really tell you. But South uh, I think there there there'll be a good bit of Tennessee and Florida talk. People wondering which one is uh, is a team that could at least try to compete or contend with Georgia. And I, I mean, I, everybody's going to pick Georgia, but it's like who's going to finish second? Yeah, and and South Carolina with what they bring back and uh, on both sides of the ball and, and adding of course, Spencer, Kentucky too and Spencer and adding Spencer Rattler to that equation, you know, I, I I would be reluctant to count out a South Carolina team that got better as the season went on. Shane Beamer made a point of talking about that. I think some of that's the Auburn game, uh, but but he yeah, talked about how right. South, Car- South Carolina got better as the season went on, and uh, and that's uh, that's another thing. You know, you want to you, you want momentum going into year two. You want momentum, uh, you know, coming out of last season. I think South Carolina's got some yeah i mean it's interesting we've talked mostly about the western division and and i think i think it's fair in what you've said and that you know alabama is the overwhelming favorite number two is probably going to be texas a&m i think the media is probably going to pick a&m second but there are quite a few teams that could go in there from that two to maybe seven although i think most people you know i've heard i've heard Two people today say they've definitely got Auburn at number seven. I, I still think State is probably going to be picked seven, but I think it's it's really going to be interesting because there's so many different so many different teams that have enough to be able to finish in the upper half on either side. Oh, certainly. I mean, the SEC West is a dangerous division to try to predict this year, especially uh, you know beyond uh, the expectation that Alabama is going to be the best team in that division. Because I mean, you, you said you said what you said about Texas A and M, Bill. I mean, I, I could see some Alabama folks here on the beat who aren't ready to give a, uh, a second place or even a third place vote to Texas A and M uh, in the SEC West uh, this year. You know, we'll we'll see. Oh no, they'd uh, like to pick them second and then just beat them. You know, brainless. Well, you know, you know that uh, that poll that the that the dot com does, where they poll the SIDs. Alabama's SID voted LSU over Texas A and M going into this season. Didn't even have Texas A and M as the uh, as the number two team in the SEC West. So, I, and I don't know if that's going to be the majority opinion. Uh, but there, I mean, you, you can look at a lot of different SEC West programs and see things you like and things you're concerned about, and, and that goes for uh, that, that even goes for the Mississippi State team uh, that that went up to the podium today. Uh, you mentioned uh, we were talking about some of the uh, some of the teams there. Uh, I believe you got some Mike Leach audio from uh, you asked him a question about the Auburn game, right? I did. I asked Mike Leach about because it, it came up with a couple of the players as well how significant that game was and and how much it meant to them to see the confidence uh, with with their coaches and and the. Uh, I'll, I'll let Mike Leach explain it, but yeah, he gave a a, a very long detailed answer about last year's victory in Jordan Hare Stadium, the remarkable come from behind win for Mississippi State. Here's what uh, here's what Mike Leach had to say when I asked him about that game. Dan Peck, ESPN 106.7 in Auburn. A couple of your players mentioned the significance of the come-from-behind win at Jordan-Hare Stadium last year and, and even pointed out how confident uh, the coaches remained throughout that game, even after Auburn jumped out to the big early lead. Your memories of that game and, and how your coaching staff stayed, stayed so confident even as Auburn uh, amassed a big lead early. We moved the ball really well. 
um, <clears throat> we moved the ball really well. I don't remember all the details, but there wasn't a point where we felt like we weren't moving the ball uh, uh, well, despite the fact we didn't have hardly any points. And, you know, we stall in the red zone or some or miss a kick. I think we turned it over once, too. Anyway, and then, um, but we felt like, you know, we just had to um, get in sync because uh, they weren't stopping us. We just stopped ourselves. And, and you know, our feeling was if we quit doing that, um you know, we could have a big half. I, I guess I didn't expect it to necessarily be as big as it was. But, um, uh, you know, sometimes it's, uh, uh, if you're too result determinative, you look out there and you say, well, you know, we've got this many points, they got this many points, uh, we're terrible. Well, we weren't terrible. We, or the results weren't what we wanted to, and the results really didn't equal... Um, the quality that we were playing. We were playing at a pretty high quality, just, you know, one mishap here, one mishap there, you know, uh, the, and the ball wasn't bouncing our way, and then you just have to ride that out and outlast it. Uh, we got momentum at the right before the half. We scored, and then, uh, and so, anyways, uh, the second half was a great deal more fun than the first half, but, um, <clears throat> um, the results you know, weren't any good, but we moved it well the first half. As Mike Leach, uh, Mississippi State head coach, talking about uh, his team's come-from-behind win at Jordan-Hare Stadium last year. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how Mike Leach, in, in an answer about a game from last year that, that looked bleak and, the, and they turn around and win, you get sort of you, you get insight into his perspective right in into just sort of the way he carries himself when he's talking about not being too results driven and, and keeping keeping the right frame of mind even you know if you know not, not not abandoning ship just because you're not getting the right results and and there's probably there's probably a life lesson in there somewhere right bill yeah you know i always wonder you know when when mike leach is there at these events i'm wondering did he just wake up i mean he always seems like well, you know, he's about like talking about like that. Whether he's whether he's talking, giving you suggestions of what to watch. Is it on too Netflix dated? Is it too or, dated to I reference? Mean, um, Bill, do, people, you know. do people know who? Do people know who Stephen Wright is anymore? Oh, they probably don't. Man, one of my favorite comics. I loved <laughs> do you, him. Do you see I this? loved him. Do you, do you but yeah, this? I mean, as you talk about droll and no emotion. Now I've seen him get hot on the sidelines a few times, but man, I mean, he is a. Uh, he he just never he just never seems like he's really excited to be there, does he? But he's got a couple. Of, he always has a couple of lines that you go, oh, that's good, Mike. I mean, no, he, he's uh, he was you know very measured and um, and and, uh, and and very very dry at times in his uh, in his responses. But but at the same time, you can get uh, little little tidbits. Oh, yes. about not not just the way he coaches his football team, but but sort of you know how because it's I mean it's pretty unlikely that a guy who uh, didn't play college football and has a law degree uh, is the is the football coach at Mississippi State now and and yet uh, you know you, you get insight into uh, in, into how he uh, in, into how he became who he is. Well, it's and it's funny for a guy who you know he made it sound like well he hadn't really watched that much TV and then he went into a long long response on the shows that you ought to watch. You know I've got to admit I'm not up to date. I missed. 
I missed Better Call Saul last night. So I mean, I've got, I've got to get, I've got to get back a, on that well, one. I heard, I heard it was a really good. Oh yeah, well, I, I mean, heard, it's the final it few episodes. But I mean, you know, when Mike says uh, that, that, you know, I need to get caught up on on that. But I mean, you know, he's talking about what he hasn't watched, giving suggestions on shows that he hasn't watched, but he's heard they're pretty good. I bet he's have, watched have, them. Have you heard? Speaking of, since we're a little offbeat here in this segment, have you heard the answer Nick Saban gave uh, when when he was asked uh, what what people may not know about him? Or oh yeah, about about cleaning the house. Oh, the cleaning house answer, Bill is. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, we, he started we, off when he first came in. He started talking about you know now he's the leader. He's not the leader when it's not the regular season. He and he sort of alluded to it there. He started getting into whether his, his honeydew list of whatever he has to do, uh, and I, that I was really surprised when he went back to that a little later and wanted to expound on it. Can we play for our listeners who maybe haven't heard the? Oh uh, yeah, the, the if answer. you've think, got it, yeah, I've got it. I've got it right here. Here's Nick Saban answering the question of what may uh, what may surprise people about him from the electronic media room earlier today. I've been cleaning house, you know, on vacation. Um, <laughs> I get a list every day. I try to play golf in the morning. Miss Terry gives me a list when I get back and run the sweeper, take out the garbage, pledge the refrigerator. You know, nobody knows how well I do all those things. What kind of refrigerator do you put pledge on? I picture Nick having a stainless refrigerator. I mean, has he got got some mahogany refrigerator? Maybe, maybe it's built in, right? Maybe it's wood paneled or something. I don't, I don't know. That that's that is an interesting. You don't hear people talk about pledge. No, as much. No, as they I mean, the, the, uh, you, know, you, you know, I wonder is it lemon pledge? I mean, uh, really? There could, be an, there could be an nil. There could be an nil situation there. We could find out if, if Nick's got a Nick's got a deal at the uh, with the pledge people. Hey, since we're talking Alabama, one more piece of audio. I asked Jordan Battle about his new secondary coach, Traveris Robinson. Uh, who you know among all the different moves that that, that folks you know people forget T Rob right. uh, made the uh, made the jump oh, to yes. Alabama and uh, and here, here's what uh, Alabama defensive back Jordan Battle had to say about his new position coach. Impact ESPN 106.7 in Auburn. Jordan, uh, the secondary is traditionally a strength under Coach Saban's teams. Uh, this year it seems like he's got as much talent back there as, as he ever has. And a, a pretty good secondary coach in uh, Traveris Robinson has, has joined the uh, staff as well. What, what can you tell us about uh, your mates in the secondary and your, uh, new, your, new, uh, your new coach? Yeah, man, I love uh, Coach T. Rob. Uh, he's, a, he's a great addition to the team. Uh, he's, he's buying in. He's, he's getting learning the playbook. Learning the back end, back end of it, and and the start of it. Uh, he used to, I used to go up there every day when he first got here, uh, so we could learn to play with together, uh, just get better on and off the field. And um, as far as as far as the secondary this year, uh, just the main thing is not not getting comfortable. We know we can have a good defense, we know we can have a good secondary, but just you know focusing week in week out, like I said, and you know making sure we we focus on one game, one game at a time. That's uh, Jordan Battle a little earlier today. Uh, Dan in Atlanta, Bill and Drew here in the studio in Auburn, and uh, right now we're gonna we're gonna hold off getting to our bottom of the hour break for just a little bit because we're, we're very pleased to be joined by uh, former Auburn AD and 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 I mentioned I mean if, if there if there were the, uh, the the Mount Rushmore of of Auburn uh, athletics not involving coaches and players now that sounds like an odd thing but i mean you're i'm talking icons in in auburn athletics history um this man would be there uh the 
Buddy Davidson, who passed away earlier today, would be there. Uh, Bill Beckwith would be there as we welcome in David Housel to the drive. David, thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay, Bill. Tough, are. Yeah, tough, tough news when, when, when you hear that, that Buddy no longer with us. It's been a struggle for him and his family, I know, for, for a while, but it's just someone that you just always expect to be there because as long as I've known anything about Auburn athletics, Buddy Davidson's been around. Well, I think Buddy is certainly one of those pillars on which Auburn's present athletic program and Auburn's future athletic program will be built. Um, a lot of people love Auburn. Coach Jordan loved Auburn. Jeff Beard loved Auburn. But they didn't love Auburn any more than Buddy Davidson did. Buddy Davidson dedicated his life to Auburn. And uh, you can tell a lot about a man by the things he loves. And Buddy loved Auburn, and he loved his family. No question. First and foremost. Yeah, I was I was just talking a little earlier, uh, David. I mean, my, my first contact... Um, my first contact with, with anyone really at Auburn. I mean, my mom had gone to Auburn, but, but growing up in South Alabama, uh, it wasn't easy. Folks now, younger folks may not realize this, wasn't always easy to get to Auburn. You either had from, no. from Fulmerton, we either had to go 29 through Andalusia and up through Tuskegee or 31 to Montgomery and then 14, I guess, over. It was a long way. So it wasn't one of those things where, oh, it was easy to get up to ball games, things like that. And I recall as a, uh, I think it was a fifth grader, sending a letter, trying finding an address and sending a letter and asking for some information about Auburn football. And Buddy sending me back a manila envelope that had um, what has become a media guide. I'm trying to remember. That's what I was trying to remember. What were they called back in those days? Brochures. Yeah, okay. They were yes. called brochures. Because they were, they were about um, four by six or five by seven. I still have my yeah. 1964 Auburn football brochure that Buddy sent me with a little note in it. And I thought that was just one of the nicest things um, that, that, I, that I'd ever gotten. Well, that helped make you an Auburn person. And uh, I think what you're talking about is a human touch. Buddy had the human touch that defines Auburn. And uh, he was doing that because he cared about you being an Auburn fan. And he knew that Auburn wouldn't care. So that's the reason he did it. Yeah, and, and I, I I appreciate that to this to this very day. You had a very interesting relationship with Buddy. I guess uh, it went from being an employee to a coworker to em- employer, right? Yeah, um, I went to see Buddy on June the tenth, nineteen sixty five, my second day in Auburn, and uh, I volunteered to work in what was then the publicity office. Mm-hmm. And he took me under his wing from that point on. And I hate to think, well, I can't imagine what my life would be without Buddy. And uh, and and he, I mean, his, his career spanned, he had so many different duties. I mean, it's really tough to pigeonhole what, you know, what he did because he did so much. I mean, I can recall, obviously, uh, from, from, 
knowing him and and getting getting to meet him and you when uh, when it was the days of sports information, but then into administration and handling all the all the travel duties and becoming a uh, senior women's administrator. I mean, just uh, so many different things that Buddy Davison did. Well, the Bible talks about in Isaiah. Isaiah says, "Here am I, send me." Or somebody said that. I'm not. I'm a New Testament Christian, not an Old <laughs> Testament Christian. But in Isaiah, he says, "Here am I, send me." And um, that's what Buddy did. Whenever it came to Auburn, something needed done, he said, "I'll do it." Here am I, send me. Yeah, there, there's no question. His his love of Auburn, his devotion to Auburn. But you mentioned uh, family as well, Fran, and and then and Rick. I, I know. How, how proud he was when uh, Rick was wearing the Auburn baseball uniform, but that it obviously, oh, yeah. but it didn't stop there. I mean, uh, that that's the thing. Just just proud of him as a as a son and as a man, and and just uh, I I can't speak enough as to how much uh, of of what Auburn means. I thought Buddy Davidson was and and is and always will be. I agree totally. I agree totally, David. I, I really appreciate you spending a few minutes here. I, I, I know everybody wants to get um, your thoughts on on Buddy, and and I, I really appreciate it. It's it's great when when I have an opportunity to to talk to you. Uh, shame I don't don't get to see you more, but but I really appreciate you spending a little time with us. My pleasure, Bill. I appreciate y'all asking. All right, David. David War Eagle. War Eagle, David. David Housel joining me here on the uh, Tuesday Drive. I know we're behind. We need to get to the bottom of the hour break. Back with more and more from SEC Media Days as we continue here on the Tuesday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in to The Drive. Final couple of segments here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Drew here in the studio in Auburn, and while Dan is uh, having a time over in Atlanta, SEC Media Days going on. Seven of the 14 schools have uh, made the parade thus far with uh, the other half to come, including Auburn on Thursday, defending national champ Georgia leading the way tomorrow. And I believe Dan's got a uh, uh, a beat writer who covers Georgia that used to cover Auburn there beside him. That's right. Somebody who is familiar with uh, with both the Georgia Bulldogs and the Auburn Tigers. We talk about so much on this show. Jordan Hill joining us from the uh, from Georgia's twenty four seven site, formerly of the Opelika Auburn News, a, a, a familiar a familiar name and uh, and a familiar voice to a lot of folks in the Auburn Opelika area. What's the? Uh, I don't want to get your uh, I don't want to get your outlet wrong. Uh, you're, you're, is it the? It's the the Georgia twenty four seven site, which is yeah, Dogs two four seven. That's dogs, where I am now. That's a tough one to remember. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Jordan? 
Doing great, doing great. Glad to be on with you guys. And and yeah, it's it's kind of funny. It's been a weird, you know, five six months since I left Auburn. But it's nice right now, especially media days, because talk a little Auburn, talk a little Georgia, talk a little bit about everything before the season gets started. Right. I mean, I, I was uh, I was suggesting earlier. I remember Nick Saban's first SEC media days as Alabama coach. I remember his first one as the reigning national champion for Alabama. And I wonder what sort of reception Kirby Smart is in for tomorrow as the reigning national champion with SEC Media Days in Atlanta. I think, it, you know, I'm expecting, I don't know, I've already referenced Elvis today, but but I, I feel like that's the sort of, I mean, it's going to be Kirby Mania uh, tomorrow. And, uh, and, and, I mean, there were Alabama people well before daybreak uh, lined up outside of the College Hall of Fame uh, to get uh, Alabama uh, memorabilia signed by Nick Saban and his players. I'm expecting a healthy Georgia contingent tomorrow tomorrow morning uh, for, uh, for for Kirby and his team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that this is in Atlanta, they couldn't have planned, you know, the fact they won the national championship in January to turn around and then come here with, for what is essentially the kickoff to the season. I mean, we're going to turn around at this point in the season is going to be here. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting just to see the, the turnout, I mean, just to see the amount of Georgia fans that show up uh, because I know it, it's been a few months now, but people are still, you know, riding the high of that national title. They have uh, gotten very close, uh, even going back to when Mark Rick was the head coach, and I'm sure people are going to show up and, and let them know that uh, they're still really excited and ready to go into 2022. Well, sure. I mean, after after the 41 years in the wilderness for uh, uh, for, for Georgia to get the national title, I mean, what are the what are the feelings? I mean, still, I mean, everybody's everybody's still riding high, but uh, now it's like, okay, how do you follow that up? You've got Stetson Bennett, a guy that a lot of people thought would just go ahead and take that ring and, and ride off into the sunset. Stetson's back where there's some Georgia fans, Jordan, that seem to feel like, oh, come on, we can do better than this guy. Yeah, you know, Bill, it's funny, and it's especially been funny for me coming off of obviously not covering the team on that national title run just to see there's there's mixed emotions with a lot of people when it comes to Stetson. Uh, but, you know, I think it's one of those things that uh, the majority of the fan base, I really do think, understand what he was able to do. You know, I don't think anyone realistically thinks that when the, you know, the SEC first team comes out, Stetson's not going to be on it. You know, that, but that doesn't mean that he can't make the plays to get Georgia in situations where they can win and uh, it's going to be very interesting just to see I'm very curious what kind of questions Stetson gets you know if he's asked about how, how much he considered maybe leaving Georgia there were there were people who thought that maybe he would spend his super senior season somewhere else uh, but just really intrigued to just see how Stetson kind of handles this moment especially a little bit removed now from the national title game he's done uh, a good bit of things since then flew with the Blue Angels uh, you know went down to the Man- Manning Passing Academy out of me. Uh, just really interested to see what Stetson's got to say. I mean, he's living a Forrest Gump-esque life, you know, <laughs> for the first 25 years or so between winning a national championship and uh, and yeah, getting to, to fly with the Blue Angels and things. You know, it, it would be a... If Stetson's uh, play were to falter to an extent where, you know, th- there had to be a decision made about whether to stick with him or to go with one of the other quarterbacks, I would imagine with everything Stetson's done in his career that wouldn't be an easy decision for uh, for, for Coach uh, for Coach Kirby or, or for, uh, for, for uh, Todd Monk uh, there in the uh, at, at the in the office corner spot, uh, but at the same time, it, it's not about feelings, right? It's not about uh, you know tr- trying to, to keep promises to people. It's more about uh, trying to trying to have a football team that's going to win games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know going into the year, I think it's unquestioned Setson as a starter. But if you look at Georgia under Kirby Smart. 
I go back, uh, you know, to, to uh, you know, Jacob Eason is the starter, and then 2017, he gets hurt in the first game, and all of a sudden Jake Fromm comes off the bench, plays well, plays so well that he's got the job. Mm-hmm. And, and then you had the same situation with Stetson and JT Daniels. Uh, we came out of SEC Media Days last year. JT Daniels was one of the players. He spoke. After he spoke, he was the Heisman favorite. That's for, crazy. And That's then right. JT Daniels was at Media Days last year. My God, um, no, that that is uh, that, that. Okay, so Georgia also. I mean, it's not just about quarterback. They they lost so many players to the NFL draft. That's a good news, bad news situation. You're doing something right when you have eight first round picks. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, some some crap. But I mean, it, it's you're doing something right. But you have to replace those players and. The expectations don't don't go away just because those players aren't on the team anymore, especially with how Georgia is recruiting. What are some of the tougher players to replace from last year's championship team? To me, the biggest question mark for me going into this season for Georgia is safety because they lost Lewis Seen. He was the guy that was the 32nd pick. He was the last of five first-round picks all off that defense. Uh, he's just a guy that was so talented, was able to come up and play the run and, and actually uh, you know, also make a lot of plays in the passing game. And they're coming in, and to me, having covered this team and having kind of caught up this spring, it's safety and it's right guard are really the two positions where the biggest questions are. And, and they've got a guy at safety that could potentially win this job in Tyke Smith. He's a guy that came in from West Virginia. He was an All-American by, I think, Pro Football Focus in 2020. Comes to Georgia last year, only plays against Auburn, uh, funny enough, and was just dealing with injuries and wound up having, uh, I think he wound up tearing his ACL. Between him and, and Drayshawn Miller, it was very strange how these very highly touted West Virginia mm-hmm. defensive backs in the portal, um, and, and in the case of Tyke, there, there was there were other things going on, but I mean, we don't know what was going on with Drayshawn Miller. I mean, you were on the beat yes. when that was going on. We, we were just you know wondering. He was he the was, invisible man. Yeah, yes. Wondering where he was. In uh, in practice, it's very strange how that worked out for uh, for for, uh, for for West Virginia's defensive backs uh, on offense. And anybody that, that you know that, that you think Georgia's got going to have a real difficult time uh, trying to replace or a unique challenge in yeah, replacing. Yeah, the thing to me is going to just be who steps up among the receivers. It really looks like you know Jermaine Burton left, went to Alabama. That's been talked about a whole lot. Oh, and yeah. I've heard I've heard a few people ask about it the last few days. Uh, but It'd be a bigger story if so many other players hadn't also <laughs> chosen Alabama in the transfer portal. <laughs> this offseason. No You're doubt. Right. Huge addition for, for, for Alabama. Yeah, for sure. And, and the question is, who is going to step up among the receivers? I don't think there's really any questions about Georgia's tight ends, and I think they're going to be used a ton in the oh, passing yeah. game. Uh, but Adonai Mitchell, the guy that made an incredible catch in the national title game, he's been looked at as a wide receiver one. And, and he went through spring like that, and based on everything we heard, based on everything we saw, he lived up to it. Did really well through spring. Had a good G-day. But my question is really the guys behind him. I think Lab McConkey's going to have another big role. Uh, I think Kyrus Jackson, a guy who's a senior that really dealt with injuries last year, and, and he, you know, flat out told us after G Day, you know, 2020, this wasn't the 2020 I wanted. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I think have an opportunity to really stand out among these receivers, um, but a lot of them are unproven. And I, 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 somebody that I haven't asked about all offseason, I'd almost forgotten about uh, that you wouldn't forget about if he was on your team. 
Eric Gilbert still in the mix oh, and yes. expected to contribute in 2022 after uh, after after a, you know a strange last couple of seasons for a, a player who was the nation's among the nation's top players coming out of high school. Yeah, exactly. You know, he was a Gatorade National Player of the Year when he was coming out of high school and and had a great freshman year at LSU. And truly, I feel like coming out of spring, he was the story of the spring. We had heard a lot about him before spring started. There were some questions about his weight put in a ton of work. I mean, Kirby, Kirby's not the kind of coach that's just going to compliment somebody and not really, you know, that they haven't earned it. I heard a lot about Eric really living up to what was expected of him, taking his condition very seriously. Then he goes out at G-Day and has two touchdown receptions and, and two really good catches to make it happen. Had another big catch toward the end of that scrimmage that kind of set up his team to win the scrimmage. I think he's a guy with Brock Bowers. I think we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. I think a lot of defensive coordinators are going to really dread, you know, having to deal with these tight ends. Had Shane Beamer, you know, asked him about the tight ends today. Mm-hmm. I think they're loaded. I think that. No, I mean, there are NFL teams that don't have two oh, tight ends as good as Brock. There, there are NFL teams that probably that probably won't. Jordan, I, I, know, I know we're we're running up against a break here, but before we let you go, I've got to get your thoughts on now that you're on the outside looking in on Brian Harson and and Auburn football 2022. Yeah, I'm really intrigued just to see what this year looks like. I mean, to me, the question is the offense. If if they can figure out the quarterback, whether it's Zach Calzada or somebody else, to me, that's going to be make or break for this year. I think this defense is in pretty good shape. I think they've got some real talent coming back. Uh, you know, guys like Colby Wooden. We've seen some of those guys make plays, and I think they can be trusted. I think it, it did hurt losing a guy like Derek Mason. But I think Jeff Schmetting knows what's expected and knows what has to be done uh, in order to compete. To me, it's just about this offense. It seemed like one of the big wins for Brian Harson this offseason. Uh, the biggest win is keeping some of that veteran talent in the fold because if this was an Auburn team without Tank Bigsby, without Derek Hall, without Colby Wooden, you know, if some of those players hadn't stuck around, I feel like it, it would be a lot tougher to project positivity in this SEC West, but these veteran players remaining in the fold. Not only does it say something about maybe what 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 could be going on with Brian Harson and, and some of his team, uh, but it also is is a reason to believe Auburn can can overachieve this year. Yeah, I mean, there's talent on this roster, no doubt. You know, obviously losing some of the guys they did hurt, uh, but I mean, you could talk me into Auburn finding a way to be really competitive again. To me, it all boils down to the quarterback. Jordan, it's great, uh, great hearing from you. Great, great to be able to talk to you again. Um, I, I know we've got to get to break. Let everybody know how they can uh, they can follow you now over at Dogs Twenty Four Seven. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on dogs247.com, at dogs247 on Twitter, and then my Twitter is at Jordan Davis Hill. So we're all over it this week, going to be here all week, and uh, looking forward to getting into this season before we know it. Jordan, appreciate it, man. Uh, take care. Absolutely. Thanks, Bill. Jordan Hill joining us as we need to get to our final break here of the Tuesday Drive. Back to wrap things up. Stick with us. You're live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final few minutes of the drive. Drew and I were just talking, Dan. Dan, of course, in Atlanta. SEC Media Days brought to you by Kia of Auburn, Jackson Services, and the Orthopedic Clinic. We were just talking, of course, the Major League All-Star Games tonight. And 
Uh, there, there is a change in the rules this year. If the game is tied after nine, we get another mini home run derby. Yeah, I, I don't like the All-Star game and SEC Media Days being in the same week because we don't get to talk as much about the All-Star game on Monday and Tuesday. But, yeah, really looking forward to tonight's game. Kershaw Otani, I mean, to, you know, the first at bat of the first game. First at bat of the game, I mean, that's I right. Mean, I mean, what, what, what more could you want in Los Angeles? I'll tell you what more I want. I want, I want to see a game. We were just talking about scenarios. I want to see the game tied and nobody able to hit a home run and them having to call somebody out of the stands to hit a homer or something. They got to they let... They got, you know what? They, I'm fine with the home run derby thing. They should be pitchers hitting the home runs, right? It should be you pick three pitchers, they pick yeah, three pitchers. Yeah, well, of course, the American League pitches picks Otani. <laughs> yeah. And so, they you know, win again. The American League's dominated anyway for the last and, few yeah, decades. And, and, the, and the National League says, you know what? Juan Soto pitches. <laughs> now, now Juan Soto's also a, a pitcher. By the way, how much money did he make himself last night, Bill? Uh, <laughs> He can't make any more than he's already made. <laughs> that number does not exist. Yeah, right? I mean, it's, it's what it's going to be zillions. You know, yeah, he signs a billion dollar deal. He's making up currency or making up numbers uh, to explain what Juan Soto is going to do. I, that that was a remarkable performance last night from a guy who uh, has a lot swirling around in his uh, in, in in his uh, in his career. Yeah, he handles uh, you know, handles it pretty well. Yeah, um, pretty, stay, stayed cool under pressure. All right, again, halfway done. Uh, what are you looking forward to tomorrow? You know Georgia is going to be uh, Georgia is going to be really interesting, and, and I'm I'm uh, you know especially with some of the stuff going on. Napier's around there, right? I'm fascinated to see what the line of questioning is, especially from the Florida folks, uh-huh. right? About about Billy Napier, you know, because I think there are some there are some fan you know there's some segments of that fan base that want Napier to get the third degree uh, from, uh, from from uh, from Florida uh, writers uh, tomorrow. So I wonder, uh, yeah, I wonder uh, what kind of questions Billy Napier faces in his first SEC media days as the head coach of the Gators. Stoops. And then who is the fourth? Um, it's Arkansas. It's oh Sam yeah! Pittman, who I, who wow, what was, a fun day! I thought Arkansas was. Uh, I thought Arkansas was great last year. I thought Sam. Yeah, Pittman I thought was Sam Pittman the, was, is great. Was one 